A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 61 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in short for you today. While we are both mock drafting in the same exact mock draft on CBS, uh, so we'll probably have to do some picks live on the air, but that'll be fun. Uh, and with me, as always, my partner in crime from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. What's up, man? Why do we decide to record at the same time as drafting? You know, I honestly totally forgot about the draft until Scott messaged me at 8 o'clock, and I was the first overall pick, and I was on the clock, and I delayed the start of the draft, but it's okay. We're here. We're talking baseball. We're drafting. What could be better? Right. All in the second week of November. <laughs> right. That's Can't beat it. Baseball is year-round, especially with Dynasty and Prospects. Uh, we got a, a nice nice show in store today. We go over a lot of the news and you know, player movement over the last week or two, because there's, there's been a lot of, you know, intriguing storylines and, and player movement. So figured we'd, we'd add a second episode this week to talk about it all in the 2022 and dynasty ramifications of all of these uh, moves and storylines. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed extra content from both of us and of course check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the fantrax hq network including our other podcast sp streamer fantasy hockey life fantasy football addicts define fantasy football and fantasy football pov let's get right into it now chris are you on the clock i am on deck on deck all right so we'll, we'll make some picks live on air yeah um so i, I guess I'll, I'll get us into the outline here while chris is making this pick here <laughs> Let's start with, uh, we had a couple catchers here we'll start with. First off, Buster Posey retired uh, several days ago now. Probably going to be a Hall of Famer, but now he was a top 10 catcher for me. I, had, I think I had him seventh in my 2022 catcher rankings because catcher falls off pretty quickly. Uh, but still, he had a pretty good year last year, but that opens up a potential starting gig for Joey Bartz. Uh, Chris, are you... How excited are you for Joey Bart in 2022? Do you think he can be a viable starting catcher? I think he can be a back end. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I, I don't know if he's fully ready. The strikeout numbers are kind of alarming, even throughout the minors. Like, I mean, we know he has big power. I don't know how he's going to hit, to be honest. I know they said that they're going to run with him as the starter, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them bring a veteran in, like bridge the gap, because – this was a 107 win team. Like in my opinion, I don't think Joey Bart's completely ready. I know he's 25. I I get all that, but I don't know. I'm not so overly excited about it. He had a good year this year in AAA, but again, I mentioned the strikeouts are concerning. I think he's going to get exploited at, at the big league level. And so that's my only concern here is that maybe he strikes out too much and maybe that hurts him. I don't, I just don't think he's like overly, valuable for fantasy and we, we've seen i mean he struck out 30 percent of the time in triple a 
And that's kind of alarming in my opinion. His career strikeout rate in the MLB is, is 37%. I don't know. That just kind of holds me back a little bit. So, yeah, I'm not really in on him for 2022, maybe for long-term outlook for Dynasty, but I don't know. He's kind of a tough one. Like, he hasn't really developed like I thought he would. Yeah, no, he's definitely dropped down, you know, in terms of my future kind of projection of him because, yeah, I thought he was going to be a plus power bat coming out of Georgia Tech. And, you know, that plus power is still there. That's kind of – that has remained consistent for the most part. But the approach and the context skills that we saw at Georgia Tech have kind of gone back a bit. You know, I don't think he'd be like, you know, a 300 hitter or anything like that. But I thought he'd be like, you know, 270 or so to maybe 280 at peak. But – yeah, I'm thinking more along lines like 250-ish now, maybe 260 at peak. Um, so that's definitely gone down. But at the same time, I still love that power. If he could be, even if he hits 240 with 20 to 25 home runs, I think that could be, you know, a decent late round pick. We'll we'll see though. I'm still kind of in him for Dynasty as a back end. Maybe he could be a back end top 10 catcher long term with, with that power, even if the you know the average is down a bit. And even in OBP leagues, he won't be a big OBP guy because he had doesn't really walk as much as he used to, even though he was never a big walk guy at Georgia Tech either, but did have that big walk rate his final year, 2018, but that hasn't really carried over into the minor leagues. The walk rate's well below 10% you know, each 2019 and 2021 in the minors. So we'll see, but um, in, at least an interesting name for, for 2022 yeah. drafts at the at the end, especially if you're in a two-catcher. You know, he's, he's a good second catcher. I, yeah, I like I him as a second catcher. I, th- I think most of the intrigue comes from the power and like you yeah. can absorb a two fifty average if he gives you decent power. So like, I guess from that standpoint, especially if you're in a deeper two catcher league, then he easily plays as a C two, but you know, a, like a 12 team standalone type league. I don't think he's worth a, a, like, he's not top 12 in my opinion that may change, but the power is the only thing that gives him some intrigue there. And, and that could be the difference where, you know, most catchers can't get to that kind of power. So yeah, that's I don't know. It, he'll be an interesting one. I, I'm really curious as where his ADP ends up for 2022. It could be all anywhere. I mean, I could see people taking him all over the board. The prospect pedigrees there, so maybe people get overly excited about him. And uh, Eric's on deck here with his next pick. So we're gonna go over to Tucker Barnhart, just traded to Detroit. I'm actually intrigued by Barnhart. And I'm even more intrigued by Cincinnati's option now in Tyler Stevenson. Yes. So that's both exciting, in my opinion. You know, I don't think Barnhart's going to get the love that he deserves, but he's not a bad catcher. And the thing is, he's going to play. Like, I don't really see him platooning with Eric Hase. Like, I think he's probably more out of the picture. And Barnhart's going to play because of his glove. Like, they, they need him for the pitchers. And right. so from that standpoint, like I think Barnhart could be a huge addition to that team. And I don't think the bat's terrible. I mean, it's not great, but I'm kind of intrigued as a later, like a catcher two option. But yeah, you look back and you look at Stevenson though. And that's, that's really where I'm interested in. Like if I miss early on these guys, like Tyler Stevenson's definitely the guy that I'm looking to get. I mean, I don't think we've seen the best of his power. I think that there's 17 to 20 home run pop here. And, you know, we, we haven't really seen the raw power develop, but, you know, I really do think that he could come around with the power and he's always had a solid hit tool. So he's going to hit for average. I'm intrigued. I think he can get up to at least 500 plate appearances. He got 402 this year. So he'll be 25 years old. I like Stevenson a lot. I I do to a degree. I I do think he's going to get pushed up higher than I, I will want to take him though. Um because he there is some power there. I think he could be, you know, a two two eighty twenty type of bat, but I think he gets pushed up way too high. But even even the power, like he has the raw power, but that really hasn't translated consistently in the game power. It's been a you know a lower barrel rate, lower launch angle, gr- you know, higher ground ball rate, um hard hit rate, you know, all the quality of contact metrics are like meh, you know the the whiff rate's great, chase rate's great. And he's shown a good approach, 10.2% walk rate, 18.7% K rate. So I would be willing to take him as like a back end uh starting catcher the next year. I, I would take him over Joey Bart uh for 2022. 
And I would I shall have Stevenson uh, right now, I think 10th and Bart like 13th or 14th in my rankings. But I think Stevenson will get pushed up too high for me. But I uh, definitely a boost in value. Barnhart, like you said, he's going to play. Uh, Hase will probably be play some catcher, but you know, he'll play some DH, some left field as well, as he did here in 2021. So, um, yeah, I, I think Barnhart will get the lion's share at catcher and he'll be a decent second catcher in two catcher yeah. leagues. Where do, where do you think Stevenson's up. ADP ends up? That's a good question. Um, as of now, on early, super early fan tracks drafts here, as I try to pull up the ADP, he is. Wow, Stevenson is the seventh catcher off the board. Uh, two four ADP is two forty eight. Obviously, super early. Uh is right behind him, actually at two fifty five. But yeah, he's kind of like the last. Oh my god, Adley Ruchman's two twenty three. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, he's really like there's like that drop off, and I think like that drop off at catcher ends with Stevenson. Then it gets into all the guys that either just haven't performed or. They're, you know, the young guys like Kirk and, and Kiber Ruiz, how will they do? Or these guys that aren't even going to have a lot of playing time. So um, I'll probably have to draft a catcher um, in that range. But I think Stevenson will go a bit too high for me. But yeah, we'll, we'll I, bet, see. I bet he pushes to around 200. I think there's a lot think of helium. So yeah, which would, which would make him what catcher right now if he bumped up to like 200 overall. 200 would put him up. Uh, six. The, there's only five, there's only five currently ADP uh, above 200 or before 200, I should say. Salvi Perez at 44, JT Realmuto 89, Will Smith 99, Yasmani Grandal 120, Wilson Contreras 165. So yeah, that pretty much that's the C6. Yeah, that's where's Varsho? Because I don't, I bet he's probably uh, Varsho's 159, but he's factored in his outfield in these. Oh yeah, he puts yeah, Sweeney can put him at one position here, but yeah, yeah. so. Okay, so that'd be you know he'll be a C seven, but um, yeah, and I, I like Varsho a lot. I know we're not going to talk about him, but I like Varsho a lot. For I think he could be a twenty ten catcher in twenty twenty two. I think that's that legit possibility. Yeah, he, the, way the, he, the way he ended last season from like I put out a tweet. It was from like July twentieth on. He was like top three, top four, top five in like every offensive catching metric. So yeah, yeah, Varsho's the guy I want in most drafts. Like I'm not going to pay up for. Sal, like if JT falls enough, I'll take him like I actually did in this mock. But, you know, I think Varsha is going to be the guy to get a lot of places. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to be trying to get Dalton Varsha. We're probably not the only ones here as Chris Clegg takes Pablo Lopez at pick 96 (laughs) in this draft. Luckily for this mock, we're both on – Chris had first pick, 12-teamer. I have the 11th pick, so we're basically on either end. So that definitely helps that we're not like in the middle. Uh, having to pick more often so yeah for sure uh, i feel like i can wait on this guy but i'm just gonna take him because i like him a lot brian reynolds brian reynolds good pick yeah uh, yes yeah, so, so far i've gone kyle tucker uh corbin burns julio urias xander bogarts eloy jimenez i don't know if this is an order but uh i get chris bryant uh joe musgrove and josh Hader. so p- pitching's been being pushed up as it yeah. usually does but um, so now I got to get a cue here. So we'll move into the next player uh, on the list, kind of another Detroit or former Detroit guy, uh, Justin Verlander, obviously missed all of last year uh, with, or all of this, this year, I should say. I don't, is it, are we still saying I, this year or last year? I never know what to say now. Like in the articles, <laughs> like, I don't know what to write. It's, it's weird. That's why I'll try to like write in 2021 as much as I can in the articles. Cause like, you know, that, that will remain relevant, you know, so that's true. Um, but yeah, whatever. In 2021, Justin Verlander did not pitch, recovering from Tommy John surgery. Is 39 years old, but he just recently held a workout. Where there was a, you know 15 to 20 teams in attendance for this workout. And I, I'm not gonna like I tweeted this out. I think it was yesterday. I'm intrigued by Justin Verlander. Like, he was one of the top pitchers in baseball uh, in in 2019 for all um, qualified starters. On fan graphs, he had the second highest K minus walk rate, only behind Garrett Cole, um, teammate of his at the time. So I am, you know, and he's, yeah, he's 39, coming off Tommy John. I know that's not great, but look at the other way. Like maybe his arm's a little fresh. You know, he's at the time off, the shoulder got a little bit of a break. You know, he's still pump, pumping 95, they're saying. So uh, this is a guy that didn't look like he was slowing down at all. 
you know, the last uh, five seasons, like he's low three ERA, mid two ERA. Like he's not, he was not falling off. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any big fall off. And if he, I can get him as like my SP three or four. Uh, right now he's going around SP like 50 ish overall in mock drafts or in, in actual drafts, I should say. I will be all over him if I can get him as my SP four. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on Verlander for 2022, Chris? Yeah, didn't he hit 98 yesterday in that workout? He did, yeah. He's been like yeah. sitting 95 and hitting higher, yeah. He's going to step right in and be fine. Like, I think he's going to pitch a full workload next year. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because of the age, but even still, you think about it, and we've, we've seen the renaissance of these older pitchers still being elite later into their careers, which – I'm definitely intrigued by Verlander. I think the, I'm sure the price goes up over time from an ADP standpoint, but even still, like I, I really, really like the, the possibility of getting him after pick 100. I think that's a, a great option, and I'm curious where he signs. Like that'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm guessing. I was, just, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, where do you, where do you think yeah. he does sign? I don't know. I mean, he has a qualifying offer, correct? I yes, I think he, yeah. I believe he does. Yeah, I think he gets more. I think he's going to get like, I think he's going to get a one year deal, but I bet he gets like. 22 mil so i could see him going somewhere else i've heard go back going back to detroit i've heard the braves are in interest like that'd be great the braves do these one-year deals i would pay him one year 25 like that would be phenomenal in my opinion but who knows like he could go a lot of places because there's a lot of fits and a lot of teams need pitchers so yeah i don't know but i, I think that will matter but shoot if he goes to detroit that's a great pitcher's park so i'd be be okay with that but I, I'm curious. I don't think he takes the qualifying offer, but I could be wrong. And you got to wonder too, even though he's had success and he, and and he has a ring. I wonder if at this point he wants to go to contender. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I see him going to Detroit. I think that'd be a good yeah. fit. But I decided I don't know if that's where he wants to go. You know, like yeah. I'd, unfortunately, <coughs> excuse me. If I had to, like you know, put a hundred bucks of my own money down, and I hate to say this is the Red Sox fan, I think he's going to the Yankees. I can just yeah. I see. The Yankees kind of paying up to get him. They have so many holes in their rotation. They do. It it's sense. like Garrett Cole, and then like Jordan Montgomery is like all right. And then it's just like all right. Then any of the young guys stuff about like Luis Heel, Nestor Cortez, like who's healthy, Jamison Tyon. How's he look? It's yeah, a lot of question marks. And actually, Verlander just went in this draft to Frank Stample at pick one hundred four. So there you go. Yep. Um, I was actually debating taking him as I'm, I'm on the clock here in two picks, but. Uh, Oh, now I'm on deck. So I should probably get going here, but yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm at least intrigued by Verlander here. Um, see see where he goes because I think he could be a top. I think he could be a top thirty arm this year. I think he could pitch 150 plus innings. You think? Yeah, even if he just throws 150, I think he'll end up higher than that. I bet. I don't know. I, I, if he gets to 150, I could see him being a top 20 arm. I just think that he's st- so dominant still. Obviously, we hadn't seen him since Tommy John, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what he looks like. I think there's going to be a lot of teams interested too. So that'll be fun to see how all that works out. And Eric's on the clock now. At and I have, no idea, I have no idea who I'm going to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who I'm going to pick. This will be this fun. Is, this is the range of the draft where it's like, and I don't know which way to go. Like you can go a lot of ways when you get into this early 100 range of drafts. And it's like, you never know like what's right. So yeah, it's a tough spot for sure. You know, I'm right now. Uh, obviously I'm I'm at the one turn so I've, I've got 13 more picks so I get up but you know I've still got a couple holes at first base and shortstop so that'll be interesting to see how I can fill them so yeah but while Eric's making his pick here we're going to go actually over to his land in Boston for the Red Sox JD Martinez opts in for 2022 so interesting decision there actually I, I'm I'm not surprised I, I think that was a smart move by him so it, it kind of beckons the question like what happens with Kyle Schwarber with JD back and will the Red Sox bring Schwarber back? I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. And, you know, you probably know better than I do being a Sox fan, but I I would love to see Schwarber back in Boston. I think he was a good fit there. And I think we saw him really succeed there. And obviously JD started the year really hot and kind of tailed off. He'll be what thirty four this season or thirty five? I think thirty four. Yeah. So you know he's he's getting up there. Not to say that like players can't perform. Yeah, he turned thirty four in in August, so he'll play most of next year at thirty four. Even still, solid year from JD. Hit twenty eight home runs, 
286 average, 349 OBP, over 634 plate appearances. As Eric took his boy Jared Kelnick there at 110. Should I had be no to. surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise to anyone there. But JD still has the contact skills. I, I do wonder, does the power kind of tail off? It'll be interesting to see. I have no idea, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with, with Schwarber as well. So I'll turn it over to you on that one. Yeah, you know, I I, I do know that Schwarber seems to be very well liked uh, within the front office and on this team. You know, he was definitely as a big, you know, once, once we got him and, and uh, around the trade deadline, he was definitely a, a leader, one of the leaders on this team down the stretch. And I, I don't think we would have gotten to where we did without uh, getting Kyle Schwarber at the deadline. He definitely was a great addition, but it's just, we, ha- we have a lot of guys that, you know, we're trying to, you know, fit, you know, so let's say putting a square peg into a round hole type of thing with, you know, Schwarber's just not a great defender wherever you put him. I think he could be f- fine in left field. Like we got away with putting Manny Ramirez out there for, you know, a dozen years or whatever. And as long as you can figure out how to play the, you know, the green monster, you'll be, you know, passable out there at least, or, not, or at least not terrible. Um, so I could see, I would like to bring Schwarber back. I think he's a, it's a great fit for this team. Great power bat, lefty power bat uh, in that lineup, which is definitely something we need. We need um, pairing pairing him with like putting him with Devers and Bogey and JD and Verdugo and everyone in the middle of that order. Uh, even though the the bats went silent in the uh, last few games of the ALCS uh, when we were up two one in Houston, then we scored three runs the next three games. Offense wasn't the problem here. It was it was really pitching this year for us. I think we still could have gotten maybe even to the World Series with better pitching. So fun to see what they do on the pitching side of things. But I would like to see them bring Schwarber back, even though I just don't know where he fits in this team. But I think that's definitely a possibility. So I don't think he'll be, you know, I don't think he'll warrant a huge contract. Uh, he, he won't be like a 25 million a year guy. I think it'd be more like around, you know, 18 to 20 million over a few years, maybe like, you know, two at 35, three at 50 something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a huge contract, but that's fair. And you, you could, you mentioned you could really use the left-handed bat here. I mean, you've got Devers and Verdugo, and that's really it. I don't, right. I don't see Jaron Duran being completely no. ready to begin the year. I think he's gonna pretty confident he starts the year in AAA, actually. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, right now, yeah, you know, I, I mean, Dahlbeck is definitely playing first. You yeah, have JD will be gonna, first. JD's gonna DH. I don't know. He doesn't really have a spot on the team. Like you mentioned, it's tough. You know, I mean, where in the world is is he going to play? Unless you put him in left, Verdugo in center. I guess you can put Kike at, at second base. So that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think they'll, they'll figure it out. But I, I would like to see, yeah, if their outfit alignment is Schwarber, um, uh, Verdugo, and Renfro, Basically, just keep it the same as like, if if we came back with the same team as we had this year, at least offensively. Obviously, there'll be some you know moving parts with like the bench guys and whatnot. But I'd be okay with that. We we were a good offense. There's a lot of good bats in there. I, I'd be fine with that. So for 2022, though, yeah, you know, I I really like Schwarber. I think he's gonna be a good value pick because I don't think I don't think Schwarber gets as much love as he really deserves. Like his ADP is 108. I think he's better than that. I think he's a top 100 guy. I think he's, you know, could be a, over a full year, 35 homer bat. It's hard to really find with a good, you know, good OBP, solid enough average, lots of runs scored and RBI in that lineup. He's at a bat high in that lineup because of his on base skills. So I like Schwarber a lot in 2022. And JD as well. I think JD gets underrated too because, you know, he's only 34 now, but this is one of the most professional hitters in the game. So I don't think there's going to be like some drastic fall off uh, for JD here. Uh, but moving on to someone that's never played in the major leagues here. Uh, Chris is getting ready to make his pick in a couple here. Uh, I think it's, is it, I don't know, Sia or Saya. I'm going to go with Saya. That sounds more, um, looks better. Saya Suzuki posted by the Hiroshima Carp of the Japanese League. And he's drawing a lot of intrigue already. Uh, he was one of the best, you know, best hitters in general, in period, over there uh, over the last several years. He's now 27 years old, so right in his prime. So I, think, I guess the first question that really is, where should he go in first-year player drafts? I'm assuming, you know, most people have their inter- the international players included in uh, with the draftees and whatnot. So I've seen some people say he should go 1-1. I'm not 
100% against it. I am not put, would not take him one, one. Uh, no, I don't think necessarily think he's going to be bad or anything, but we've seen the transition and how hard that can be. Uh, granted he's better than, uh, Satsugo was, he's better than Shogo Akiyama, uh, et cetera. But we, it's really been since Shohei that we haven't really seen it, a seamless transition. So I think he can hit for power. He's had 38, uh, 38 home runs, 25, 28, 30. It's been very consistent, actually, like between 25 and 38 home runs. You know, average right around 300 or a little more, walks a good amount. So I think he could be a solid hitter, especially depending where he ends up. We'll see. I've heard half the teams in Major League Baseball rumored already. Miami, the Yankees, Seattle, San Fran, a bunch of teams. So it'll be, I guess, dependent on where he ends up uh, more so. But he's going to start. Like he's a, you know, this type of guy, he's going to start wherever he goes. Uh, but I'm always intrigued, but I wouldn't take him 1 1. How about you, Chris? Would you? No, I don't think so. I think we we saw that mistake with Hasyun Kim last year. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're different players, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm hesitant a little bit because I do think that there's more to just being a good baseball player when it comes to to coming from overseas here. Like this is a huge transition in his life. And we don't take the mental aspect and like, we we don't think about it enough in my opinion. And so like those things really matter. And, you know, he's, yeah, he's better than Yossi Susugo was, but when he came over, but Susugo was pretty solid himself. I mean, we saw him hit 45 home runs in a season. I mean, 38, another season. He, we haven't seen Suzuki hit more than 38 and that was this year and even like a lot of people want to compliment like Hideki Matsui Matsui I'm pretty sure hit 51 was his high before coming over which is you know really really good I think that he's like a a light version of Hideki Matsui maybe it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see how he you know pans out but yeah I, I think that he's like a 20 to 25 home run bat and I think it's easy. It's easy to think that he's going to hit for high average because he's like a career three fifteen hitter in the MVP, but or NBP. I think I said that wrong. But I see that translating to more like two sixty two seventy type. It's hard to judge for sure. Like a lot can happen. So you know we we don't know for sure what's. But you know I was doing some film study on him and you know his swings really consistent. Like he makes a lot of contact. He, he generates easy power. He uses his whole body, which we see a lot of these Japanese hitters excel at that. They generate a lot of power by using their body. And I found some <clears throat> some numbers, and his plate discipline skills are really, really good. He doesn't chase often either, which is an encouragement. And I think that's one of the biggest differences with Tsugo is that he he chases, and he chased more in the NPB. So I think it's important. You, you shouldn't expect him to steal any bases. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen him steal bases pretty consistently in the past. I mean, he stole 25 in 2019. And then this year he stole nine bases, but his success rate's like 60%. So you could expect that to probably go down against the, the quality catchers that he'll be running against. So I would say if he steals you two to five bags, like that would be you know, pretty significant. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't fault you if you took him one, one in a FYPD, but you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to do that. I think that no. I'd rather bank on the talent that w- we've seen and we know even though they're younger, and that's the thing, Suzuki will be contribute immediately. But even still, like that's kind of the hard thing to, to judge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have I put him seventh. I think I think he fits there. I guess there's like the top six are like really set in stone for me right now with you know, the three prep shortstops, uh, Meyer, Lawler, and Watson. You got Lighter. You got um, Henry Davis, and you got Chris. Who am I forgetting? Um, I always for Cal. No, Cal's would be a little lower for me, but well, I'm on deck now. <laughs> um, who am I forgetting? In that, uh, I got to pull up my rankings here. I'm gonna feel like an idiot when I forget this person's name. Oh, Brady House. Jeez, oh, uh, there Brady, we go. Brady House yeah, being that, yeah, the other one. Total brain drop there. Bird. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the four prep shorts. So that's why I threw threw myself off. But yeah, I think he fits good at seventh there. Uh, after that six where, where, where do you have him in your rankings yeah i think he'll be in like the five to seven range but yeah i definitely like marcella meyer i like lawler house davis Leiter. yeah 
I don't know. I, I, he'd probably be sixth at the highest, I think. Yeah, th- that's fair. I think that in that range, I think he fits well. But let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll come back on the other side and get into a lot of Dodger news. Don't go anywhere. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some Dodgers here. There's been a lot of interesting Dodger storylines over the last few weeks here. I guess the biggest one, the more recent one, they signed Andrew Heaney, which has sparked a lot of discussion on Twitter about whether they can fix him or not, if he, this could be 2022's Robbie Ray. First off, let's let's calm down a minute on the 2022 Robbie Ray talk. Like Heaney, at least Robbie Ray, yeah, he was bad for a couple of years before, uh, he got turned around in Toronto, but he was at least good for a few years before that. We had a lot of strikeouts. Heaney has never been like he's never had a year that I consider good. Maybe his first full year, 2015, 18 starts, 349 ERA, but didn't strike out anybody. He had 78 Ks and 105 and two thirds. But since then, you know, he missed, he didn't really pitch that much in 2016, 2017 due to injury. Came, when he made six combined starts those two years, came back 2018, 30 starts, 415 ERA, 18 starts, 491 ERA in 2019, 12 starts, 446 in 2020, and this last year, uh, 23 starts and seven relief appearances, 583 ERA, including 732 ERA once he went over to the New York Yankees. I, I, it is the Dodgers, so I guess I'm slightly more intrigued now than I was like 48 hours ago but first off does he make the rotation like you you gotta think he probably does or else why they would have signed him but i'd rather give a shot to tony gonsolin who i think is a much better pitcher and if this causes tony gonsolin to not be in the rotation this upcoming year i'm gonna riot i've been patiently waiting for gonsolin to get a chance he's been injured he's just been like the sixth or seventh man every year especially if kershaw leaves um and Gonsolin still doesn't get his chance, but I don't know. I think you're a bit from gauging from our reaction on Twitter. I think you're a slightly more optimistic on Heaney than I am. So I'll, I'll let you run with it here. Well, it's like you mentioned, it's the Dodgers. And so they, they develop pretty well and better than I the would, angels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a fit at all in New York. That was a bad move. So he is strikeout minus walk rate. Yeah. Really good. Right around 20%. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm interested from that standpoint of, I think that the Dodgers can work with him, work on his location a little bit. I mean, he gets pretty good arm side run. He gets that slider going. I think somebody to watch out for. So wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a, a pretty solid arm. Like, I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be Robbie Ray. Like, but if he's like a, a mid to high three, so like a three, seven, five ERA or, or higher then that's pretty interesting to me. And I think he's got the strikeout stuff. So, yeah, I'm intrigued from that standpoint. Of, I think that, you know, the Dodgers can work with him a little bit and they can help him get back to the level where he can be, where he's capable of. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not like all in, but it, it'll be curious to see where his ADP ends up, which will probably be too high. It probably will be. It's everyone. There's going to be at least a few people in every league that are like on the Heaney bounce back bandwagon. Uh, with him going to the Dodgers now, they think he can be fixed. I'm looking at roster resource on Fangraphs, current projections for the Dodgers 2022 rotation. Has Heaney as the four, and has Gonsolin as the three. So, um, good. As I love Tony Gonsolin, he's going to be a huge target of mine uh, in the late rounds because I think there's still a ton of potential. I think he could be a top 50 arm, uh, best-case scenario. And then they have David Price as the five. So, the, the, you got to figure, though, whether it's bringing back Kershaw or going out and getting somebody in free agency, you got to think the Dodgers are going to bring in somebody. I don't think they want their three, four, five to be gone. So on Heaney and price, no. I mean, granted their, their top two of Walker Bueller and Julio Urias is arguably the best one, two in baseball, or at least in that discussion. 
But for the Dodgers, a team that's we you know, won the you know been an NLS NL West winner like basically almost every year up till this year, and then you know a team that's always one of the World Series front runners every single year. I don't think they're going to feel comfortable with that three, four, five of Gonsal and Heaney and David Price, who probably will end up being pushed to wrong relief. I got to feel if they bring back Kershaw or someone else. So, um, but yeah, for Heaney, I guess. I don't know. I, I'd be intrigued as a late round pick, but I think he gets pushed up way past where I would want to take him. It's just the home run issue has always been there. I, I mean, yeah, he doesn't, he's always gotten hit hard. Like the hits per nine has always been really high. Batting average against on two of his three offerings last year was 271 or higher. He had up 17 home runs on the four seamer, four on the curve, five on the changeup. Changeup was not a good offering. You know, the, only one that gets a decent amount of whiffs is that curveball, thirty-five point one percent. So, um, over. So, but overall, you mentioned the the K minus walk rate was, you know, was at nineteen point six. X ERA was a significant amount lower. It was four hundred three compared to five eighty three surface ERA. I don't know. I guess it's like at this point, I've been so burned by Heaney and seen how mediocre he's been for several years now that I'm kind of like show me before I buy in spot with him. And like I said, if I could get him where I'd want him, sure. I'd take a flyer on him, but I think he's going to be pushed up past flyer flyer territory. Um, that's for sure. But uh, moving on to the next arm here, Dustin may has begun throwing again. It was a video of him throwing posted on social media uh, about you know, five, six days ago at this point, looks like he'll be due back mid season or so. Uh, he was one that, experienced a huge uptick and you know swinging strike rate strikeout rate whiff rate chase rate everything finally um in 2022 or 2021 and there's, there's several starts before he went uh on the shelf but i am still very intrigued by Dustin May. i will let chris start though because i'm on the clock in the mock so chris what, what are your thoughts on on may for uh long term yeah long term i'm definitely intrigued he had the surgery on may 11th of last year and so uh, from that standpoint, I'm kind of nervous about his 2022 value. We, we saw this year with the guys like Sale and Syndergaard and Severino, how long it took for all of them to come back. So that's in the back of my mind, and I'm concerned. And always the biggest concern with me for May was the the whiffs stuff. Like, he, he just wasn't getting whiffs prior. And we saw that tick up a ton, like you mentioned. And, yeah, he, he only pitched 23 innings this year, but he did strike out. You know, 37.5% of his batters, which was huge. And I think there was tangible stuff there that, you know, gave him good reason why that we saw the strikeout numbers tick up. I'm interested to see where that number lands long-term. I think he's probably like a 28 to 30% strikeout guy, which is great. That'll play all day long. Like, I'm not going to complain about that. And I do think that the Dodgers will continue to work with him. He's so young. I mean, we got to remember he debuted at 21 years old. He's just now 24. He turned 24 in September. So, you know, even if he misses all of 2022, he'll be, you know, back at his age 25 season, which is, is still pretty impressive there. So I don't know what happens with him. I don't know how much he pitches next year, but I probably would guess that uh, mid-August to September return is probably the most likely after what we've seen recently with guys coming back from TJ. So, yeah, and I guess we'll see how that plays out. But long-term, yeah, I still think that May's like a top-20 type arm. He's more than capable of performing at that level, which is going to be fun to watch. And obviously, the Dodgers do a great job with development. So in that case, I think he'll keep performing and keep you know keep seeing these numbers tick up, which would be phenomenal. So I think May could be a borderline high in SP2, which, which I'd love to see for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I am 100% on board there. I do think he can be that 28 to 30% K rate guy. Uh, maybe even higher. Like I said that before, like the stuff wasn't the issue. It was more so pitch mix, using the right pitches at the right time, uh, and getting guys to chase us at the zone. Cause he was good for, you know, gifts by Alex fast or Nick Pollock or Rob Freeman, the pitching ninja with that two seamer that had like seven feet of arm side run. It looked like, but Pitchers, hitter, good hitters will lay off of that. They see it coming. They recognize the spin, they'll lay off of it. So really locating better was huge for Dustin May this year. And I was so bummed when he when he got hurt because 38% K rate through his first five starts and while keeping that low walk rate of 5.4%. 
You know, he still gets a lot of ground balls. The launch angle is running 2.6 degrees. Granted, it was running five starts uh, and 23 innings, but 35 Ks in those 23 innings. I'm very intrigued. You know, so that the sinker curveball cutter, that cutter is filthy. The curveball is got, you know, got a ton of whiffs. Like he got 45.2 on the curve. Cutter was 51.5. That cutter almost actually more like a slider uh, at times with how much run that, that gets. So I'm definitely all in on Dustin May. Yeah, said not much value this year, if anything. I think he maybe gets six, eight starts late in the year. We'll see. I, I think the Dodgers are going to bring him back, you know, be very cautious uh, with bringing him back. And they'll probably have plenty of options to let him kind of, you know, get back at a, a good pace and not overdo it and rush him back. So uh, 2022, unless you're in a, a deeper league, you can stash him. Great. But outside of that, not a ton of value this upcoming year, but still, Great buy low right now in dynasty leagues. I would be trying to acquire him wherever possible uh, because I think so that he can be. I think he could be a fantasy ace, and I'm sure my old podcasting buddy Jake Devereaux will be very happy to hear that because he was always on the Dustin May bandwagon. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, moving on here, the Dodgers have several prominent free agents. Like the, the big four: Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, Corey Seager, and Chris Taylor. It looks like if any one of these guys were to like definitely leave, I think Seager is probably the most likely to leave town. I still think Kershaw comes back, but I don't think it's a definite. Uh, so that kind of opens up a, a few questions, right? Like uh, with two middle infielders leaving town, is it Gavin Lux time? We saw that down the stretch. He hit very well. I'll be not with a ton of power, but hit for a high average uh, when he got some consistent playing time the last month or so of the season. Is it finally Gavin Lux time in 2022? Who would close? They bring somebody in. Is it is it maybe Blake Trinan? Uh, and then what does that twenty twenty two rotation look like here? So, um, Chris, what do you th- first off out of these four? Who do you think's gone, and who do you think comes back? Um, I think that Taylor's back. I actually could see the other three leaving. I think that I think that the Dodgers knew more than anybody else, and that's the reason Kershaw didn't get a qualifying offer. I think yeah. he's hurt. I can't see him anywhere else. That's the thing. Like he's kind of like the Freddie Freeman for the Dodgers. Like I can't see Freddie leaving Atlanta. I can't see Kershaw leaving the Dodgers, but I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I really, I don't know. I think he's hurt. Maybe someone else takes a chance on him. We'll see. Kenley wouldn't be surprising either if he wins, but I, I feel like if any of them, like Seager is like the most likely, I feel like he's pretty much a lock to head to New York. Wouldn't surprise me a bit there. And I see Taylor sticking around as well. Taylor's been, phenomenal for them so yeah, yeah. And, and they love chris taylor too like, yeah they love chris they love that type of player right in general yep so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out but even still i don't know i don't know seager i would say it's probably like a strong chance he's gone so it does open up a spot but do they bring in another shortstop i mean there's so much talent <laughs> there's there. so many available so do they bring in someone like that i don't know <laughs> That'd be interesting to me. Yeah, they definitely could. As of now, um, they have, it'll be Trey Turner at short, Gavin Lux at second base. And I hope, even with, with losing Corey Seager, their lineup is so like Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Bellinger, Pollock, and Lux. Is their predicted eight yeah, right now, according to the roster? It's still really good. Um, so yeah, I, I do hope, I what I think, I, I think they're going to, focus a lot on the rotation like i mentioned I, like i said i don't think they like that three four five where it is now the lineup is still going to be a top five lineup in baseball i don't think there's any real concerns there i mean the bullpen is intriguing because if jansen does leave and they don't bring in somebody that'll take over that closing spot blake trining could be a absolute beast uh in 2022 he could be a top 10 to 15 closer if given the everyday you know role you know, Brewster Gratterall, I don't think, is going to step into that role. He has some other solid guys, you know, Vessia, Bickford, etc. But I think definitely Trina would be the one that heads up. Even Ross Richards has him as the closer as of now. We'll see how that pans out. But Trina would be very, very intriguing. Like, that slider of Blake Trina. I could watch that slider all day. That is, like, not suitable for work. That's a not that's an <laughs> NS, NSFW slider. It's absolutely filthy. Uh, so I would love to see trying to get that role. Yeah, I think that he would be a perfect fit for it. I, I think that would be fine. I, I could see them going out and getting someone, even though there's not many closers on the market, at least free agent market. But yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder if they part with Jansen at this point. 
he's kind of, I mean, he had a great year, but aging going downhill to an extent. So yeah, I'll be curious how it all plays out, but shoot, trying in a, trying would be phenomenal in that closer role, which, you know, I may have to draft him in this mock draft just to, uh, in the potential that he does uh, get that role. Well, sorry to tell you, but there's a certain someone that has two picks before you pick again. <laughs> that is true. So you you hold your horses. He might he might <laughs> be in my queue right now. He is in my queue. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know if I'm going to take him right here. We'll see. But I still need some uh, first baseman, corner, middle, another outfielder. Uh, so yeah, getting near the end of this draft, another five or six picks. So we'll be wrapping up this draft. Um, but yeah, a lot, lots, a lot of intriguing stuff going on with, with the Dodgers. And I would love to see Gavin Lux, um, get that everyday second base gig. Well, I don't think he's going to be quite as good as maybe we had once expected him to be back when he was like a top five prospect. I still think he can hit for a, a good average 280 type of average 20 plus home runs, add in a little bit of speed. I think he could be maybe like, a, you know, top seven or eight second baseman long-term. I still think that is in play. I don't think he's going to be the number one second baseman like I, I once thought, but definitely very intriguing. Like we, we saw how good he was down the stretch in September once he got that spot um, when they had some injuries open up that playing time for him. Uh, I'm pulling up his stats right now. Uh, in So in September, he hit, uh, what was it? On the second half in general, he hit 284. But in September, he had 360, albeit it was only in 60 plate appearances, but 360 with nine walks to only eight strikeouts, only only four extra base hits, two doubles, one triple, one home run out of the steal as well. But he that potential is still there. So he's he's a nice kind of pick, you know, pick 250 or so, 200, 250. That'd be okay taking a flyer on Gavin Lux if that playing time's there. So in long term, I think he's still a decent buy low, but that window might be closing soon. But I don't know. Do you still think he can be maybe a top five second baseman long term, Chris? Yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think we could see him when well, we saw how well he hit in September. And I think that the the power, I don't know where that ends up. I think the power is probably the question mark. I do think the hit tool is solid. He has good contact skills. So I think we'll see the average tick up. Like I think that was kind of the concern when he first debuted was that, you know, he didn't hit for average and even this year just hitting 242, but the contact skills are really good. He makes elite contact in the zone almost 90%, which is really solid there. Um, he doesn't chase a ton either. His O swing isn't isn't incredibly high, so it'll play. Then he's got to hit the ball a little harder. His home run to fly ball rate this year also was kind of detrimental at 8.8%. So that wasn't good. And I think in the postseason we saw him struggle because he was playing out of position. And when he made a couple blunders in center field, which which hurt him, I think. So yeah, that that was kind of the hold up. And they didn't play him much after that. So I think he could be a 20 home run bat that steals five to eight bags and be a, a 270 type hitter. So at second base, like that'll play all day long. And he could even have outfield eligibility too, which I'd really like. Yeah, that, that would be awesome. That nice dual eligibility there. Uh, moving on to our last segment here, this a little fun segment with all the you know the MLB award you know finalists being announced recently. Figured we quickly just make our picks, not, not who we think will win each of these awards, but our personal picks. Uh, let, let's go. With, let's finish with MVP last. So let's start with the Manager of the Year. Uh, let's go start in the National League. The three finalists: Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers, Gabe Kapler of the San Francisco Giants and Mike Schilt of the St. Louis Cardinals. I think it's a shoe-in at this point. I think it's going to be Gabe Kapler taking a team of that was not expected to contend this year with the Dodgers, and they did, and could have made it a deep playoff run. They were very close to doing so. Uh, so I think if I had a vote, I would go Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I think that's the easy pick. I'd love to see Schilt win it after getting fired. How great would that be? <laughs> that if, would if he be won. awesome. Yeah, I hope that Shield wins it, but I think it's pretty much a lock for Kapler. So he had a yeah. great year. I mean, he got the most out of his team. So I think that's a pretty easy pick there. Yeah, absolutely. In the American League, it's, I think, more of a competition. You got Dusty Baker from the Houston Astros, Kevin Cash of the Rays, and Scott Cervais of the Seattle Mariners. You know, honestly, even though I, I think Dusty's going to win it, I'd bet a good amount of money on Dusty winning it. My vote would be for Scott Cervais. He took a team that was probably I think projected for like 70 to 73 wins and had them in playoff contention, postseason contention, right until like the second to last day of the year or even the last day of the year. 
um, with a team that, like I said, they weren't expected to contend, didn't have a lot of star power there. He got the most out of that team. So I would, if I'd vote, I'd go Scott Cervantes. Yeah, I agree. I, that would be my pick too. I don't think he wins, but I think that he did the best job of getting the most out of his team. You I mean, this was the first time since 03 that the Mariners had won 90 games. So I think that speaks a lot of volume. I wish they had gotten that wild card. That would have been pretty awesome to see. But yeah, I think he did a phenomenal job. And so I would pick him, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Dusty win it. Yeah, I think Dusty does win it. Everyone loves Dusty. I love That's Dusty true. too. Yeah. And now over to Rookie of the Year, National League. Three finalists, Trevor Rogers of the Marlins, Jonathan India of the Reds, and Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals. I, I've gone India here. I think Rogers would have been my pick if he didn't miss time uh, for the per, you know the personal reasons he had to take those a couple you know several starts off. Um, I think that kind of hurts his chances for a rookie of the year. And then Jonathan India really just came on second half of the year. You know, twenty one home runs, twelve steals, thirty four doubles, three seventy six uh, OBP. Really was just one of the best hitters in the National League. Period. Not just for rookies, just period over the last couple months of the season. So I would go India. Yeah, that's my pick too. I think. Like you mentioned, I think Rogers had a good argument if he had thrown more innings, but India was so stinking good. I mean, he finished fifth in OBP ahead of Votto, produced an, an year four war at 3.9. So, yeah, I think that he's the shoe in, in my opinion. And I think Rogers will get a couple votes, but I think India is definitely the guy. Over to the American League. I was, I, I wouldn't say I'm shocked, but. I don't think Wander Franco should be a finalist. Yeah, he had the what was it, forty something on base game on base streak. Hit I think two eighty eight. Really came on, hit over three hundred last couple months of the year. But I think there was maybe I would have given the other finalist spot to like Ryan Mountcastle, Adelise Garcia, someone like, like at least they went thirty one fifteen this year. Not even a finalist. That's I don't, yeah, it was very up and down. Um, but. Yeah, kind of odd that they gave Wander Franco the nod. I am not going Franco, but uh, I'll go over to you first. Who do you got here between Randy Arozarena, Wander Franco, and Luis Garcia? Uh, I think that Arozarena gets it. I Like I said, I'm surprised, too, that Wander got in just because of the lack of games. I mean, he was obviously really good, but it's tough. I think Arozarena did the most, even though Arozarena kind of had an underrated season in a way, I think. He still went 2020, had an 815 OPS, but I don't think people really saw that. And so I think that he probably wins it, even though I feel like he's been a rookie for eight years. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, I would pick a Rosarena, is my choice. I, I, I'll go a Rosarena as well. Though I tempted to go Luis Garcia. Uh, he was very, very good this year, especially as, as a rookie pitcher. But yeah, I will go a Rosarena as well. Moving up to the Cy Young National League three finalists, but this was a hard, hard choice to get down to three. There were so many good candidates this year. Uh, like Walker Bueller was left off. Uh, he, I think he was the biggest snub. But the three finalists, Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, Max Scherzer of the well, Nationals and Dodgers, and then Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is really hard for me. Uh, I'll let you go first here. So this is really hard for me. It's Burns for me, and I... I think he should sweep it. I don't. I know he won't because there was so much talent. But Burns' season was absolutely incredible. It's it's hard to argue against everything that he did. I mean, yeah, yeah, he had two four three ERA. But you look at some of the the other ERA indicators. He had a, a one six three FIP. Like that's absolutely insane. His xERA of two oh one. His xFIP of, of two three zero. Like he was just that good all year. So he even like in an extent like underperformed. So. Yeah, he, he was just stellar, and he didn't throw the innings. That's the only thing he's got against him is that he only threw 167 innings. Wheeler threw the innings. Uh, Bueller threw the innings. But Burns was the best in the time that he spent on the mound, so Burns would be my choice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll am i go Burns as well. I was debating between him and um, Scherzer. I think Scherzer had a, obviously a phenomenal year as well. But I will go Corbin Burns. And then lastly, going up to – actually, no, we still got one more Cy Young. Uh, before we go to the MVP, American League Cy Young, Garrett Cole of the Yankees, Lance Lynn of the White Sox, Robbie Ray of the Blue Jays. I don't think I, any of these would even be finalists in the National League. Maybe Garrett Cole, but uh, I'm – this is probably the hardest one for me. I'm going to go 
Robbie Ray. I, I don't feel great about it, but I'll go Robbie Ray for my AL Cy Young. Who do you got? Yeah, this is it's crazy the difference in the National League and American League. Um, it's kind of a coin flip for me between Cole and Ray. I don't think Lynch should have been a finalist, but again, I don't know who else would have been. So it's kind of a coin flip, like I mentioned. I think Ray gets it because you look at just the remarkable season that he had after some struggles that he's had in the past. So how he turned it around and Cole was not great after I think he went from June 1st on after the substance crackdown, he had like a four one five ERA. So yeah, he still had his moments later in the season where he was really good, but I do think that Robbie Ray gets it. You look at everything that he did and it was just phenomenal. I mean, led the majors with 248 strikeouts. He had the best ERA in the American league at two, eight, four, through 193 innings. So I think there's a lot of reasons there where he deserves it over Cole. Yeah. I, I think who do you, who do you think? I know we, we both made our picks. Who do you think wins? I think it's probably gonna be Garrett Cole, but it should be close. That's what I fear is that, that Cole gets it. I don't feel, and that's a bad terminology, but I, I just think that Ray was better, but that's, I don't know. I guess I it might be a coin flip. I think it's going to be really close. Yeah. I, I that will be a very close vote there. Moving on to most valuable player National League. This is this is tough. Like, how can you go wrong? Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Bryce Harper. I as much as I hate to do this, I gotta give it to Bryce Harper. I think he was just the best all-around player uh, hitter in the National League this year. Yeah, Tatis had the numbers, but you know, I don't know if Harper. That team would have been terrible without Harper. Uh, he was he didn't have a lot of RBI because he didn't have any RBI really the first two months of the season. They weren't getting anybody on base for him, but average power, speed on base, it was all there this year. It was him and Soto just absolutely dominating the last you know second half of the season. Like they were head and shoulders above everybody else in baseball. Uh, you look at like Woba and WRC plus and everything. There was those two by a mile. So uh, I hate to go against Juan Soto. His time will come, but I think this year I would give the slightest of edge to Bryce Harper. I'm giving it to Austin Riley. I know he's not a finalist. <laughs> Chris, but, like, uh, finalists be damned. It's Austin yeah. Riley. Now nah, Harper is was the best player, and you wonder if Tatis hasn't missed time, like how you know where he might have ended up because he was yeah. phenomenal too. So I do think it goes. I think Harper's the most deserving. You mentioned he was just dominant across the board. He led the league in slugging and OPS, had 309 average. Ridiculous. I mean, he dominated from August on. So, yeah, for that re- those reasons, I'm going Harper. I think he's the most deserving. Yeah. that It pains me to pick against my boy, but Harper's my boy, too. I've been, I've been a big Harper guy for a long time now. So, yeah, definitely deserves it. American League. Okay, Marcus Semien's a finalist, but scratch him off the list. Uh, it's, it's, it's Flatty. It's Otani. Those are the big two. Uh, I, I got to go Otani. Yeah, he slowed down near the end of the season. But still, like the, what he's able to do at the plate, on the mound, he was a top 25 pitcher, top 10 hitter, um, even with the slowdown. He still had 46-26, 100 RBI, 103 runs, 90, 96 walks. That's just insane. Uh, Vladdy might have been, been slightly better in terms of hitting, but once you factor in pitching for Otani, I think it's a, a no no doubter Otani, and it feels weird to say that when with the season Vlad had, but I'll go Otani. Yeah, I mean, when you perform at that level, both on the mound and at the plate, it's hard to go against you. I mean, he had a historic season that that no one has ever had before. So, yeah, I think I I think I would give it to Otani, and I I think that he's the most deserving. So we'll see how it all plays out, but I do think Otani deserves it, and I wish. I projected it before the year. I wish that I put money on it. <laughs> I was going to bring a, that up if you didn't. I was like, you need a rich them. man. Yep. You got to give yourself a nice little pat on the back for that one. Well, you, do you recall like roughly what the odds were? Uh, like it, ballpark it, it? I can't remember, but they, they slowly creeped up like towards the beginning of opening day. But yeah, it was, it was, I think it was like 500 to one, maybe. Ooh, can you imagine throwing like 100 bucks down? 50K right there. Yeah, that'd been really, really nice. Put that Would've down towards that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Aiden's college fund there. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> or that'd be a part of it. <laughs> college yeah. Is, yeah. 
<laughs> a lot more than that. But all right, that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to everyone for listening again this week. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Rotoclag. I'm at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Join us again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, take care. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?